If you came ready to hear the word of God, I wish someone would shout, yes. I said, if you came ready to receive the word of God, I wish someone would shout, yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You know, we have, we have dug up the fallow ground with our worship and watered it with our praise. But you know, you really can't have church without the preaching of the word. I love the preaching of the word, don't you? And uh, I, I feel humbled and honored uh, to have an opportunity to introduce our guest speaker today. If you would have told me a decade ago when I was just a shy, awkward teenager in Bible college that I would be standing behind a sacred desk introducing Brother O.C. Marler to preach in Jonesboro, Georgia, I probably would have thought you were crazy. But God does all things perfectly. And Brother Marler is perhaps the most influential preacher and teacher in my life. His preaching and his teaching has impacted me beyond my ability to explain to you. And I'm forever grateful for his thumbprint on my life, really. And it is a thumbprint because in Bible college, he had me under his thumb. There's no doubt about that. But I appreciate it. And he saw potential in me. And forgive me for being personal here. It's not about me, but I just love this man so much. He saw potential in me when it really would have been difficult to see potential. And I appreciate him for it. And I'm asking him to come and preach the word. And I'm asking you to put your hands together and welcome him to this pulpit. A great man of God, Brother O.C. Marler. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. The first, the first sermon that Brother Ryan uh, French preached was a great sermon, far beyond his years, the very first one. And uh, don't let him kid you. He has, he has had talent all the way through. And uh, I surely do appreciate the introduction this morning. And I appreciate all the Frenches. They are just, uh, what did somebody say? The Frenches. The Fran France has invaded, or the French have invaded. <laughs> Amen. That is so good. That is so good. And it's so good to be, you may be seated. It's, it's so good to be here with uh, you all at, in this particular time. This is such a beautiful crowd. It's so enthusiastic. It makes me worry about my message. It seems as though maybe I've, I hope I hadn't missed it on what I'm supposed to preach. You folks are walking down the Milky Way kicking stars in bushel baskets. And <laughs> I'm, I kind of was going to preach on the ground today, but yeah, I hope it's all going to be all right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Brother, Sister Cole, it's so good to, to be with you all. Y'all are... Such great people. You got one scripture that's against you. Beware when all men speak well of you. And <laughs> that's a good one to have. Amen. Brother and Sister French, y'all know that Sister French is the brains of this outfit, don't you? <laughs> y'all better know it. Amen. The woman's got it. Amen. Did you hear her saying the other night? Amen. Amen. Just saying. Uh, what I don't understand about these all these French women, uh, how these guys got these beautiful people. <laughs> Y'all must have a loose screw somewhere. <laughs> Brother French, I enjoyed the lesson this morning. It was a good lesson. We enjoyed it. Amen. I, uh, Joan, 
Isn't this great? Isn't this good? This is a great weekend, isn't it? Amen. Well, I believe you got prettier since we got here. Amen. Amen. And brother, brother Lada, it's so good to see you. Good to see you. <clears throat> what a day. What a what a what a morning. What a morning. We had such a good service the other night. I was uh, I was rather shocked when they called and asked us to come and be a a part of this because we are friends and and like family and we're going to always be around as long as we are around and uh, but we do appreciate the opportunity and you folks are always y'all are always so kind and no matter where we see any of you you're always so kind and and we thank you for accepting us as as part of of this wonderful wonderful church and we just thank you for being who you are amen you are you're you're all a bunch of you're a group that's that seems to be clothed and in your right mind and just everybody's happy. That's so good. All right, I want to read, if you'll stand. The French, as I've seen them, <clears throat> come through obstacles. And I saw, I have seen the way that they handle themselves in difficulty. And uh, that's, that's part of it, you know. If you, you, some people, the minute the little something goes, reverses on them, they want to backslide and blame God. But you know, then also, maybe the more difficult part is to handle ourselves right when we're having a lot of blessings and success. And I don't see any change in any of them from, for since you have done so well here. And we, we thank you. I want to read from uh, Acts, the ninth chapter. And I, I, I kind of referred to it a little bit a while ago. Um, about not being sure now, but because I know that I could, I know two or three subjects I could just take off on this morning and we'd go with it as far as worship. But this is uh, a special time. This is a special time. And uh, I want to be something more than just something that is worshipful, but I'd like to leave a little something with us, if I could. And so the ninth chapter of the book of Acts and the 23rd verse, 9-23, And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Of course, that was Paul that they were going to kill. But their lying in wait was known of Saul. And they watched the gate day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. 
So, if you will, you may be seated. And I would like to speak to you this morning from the subject, holding the rope, holding the rope. This is, uh, you know, the truth of things is uh, members have a job. And we wouldn't have very many thing, things, good things, nice things, nice moments if it wasn't for the membership. So it's like the man that was teaching the young pilot to fly, and it come time, it come that day for, the, for him to land, the, the student to land the plane, and he said, okay, now, it's time for us to go down. And so they were going down, and the older pilots looked at him, and he was calm. He said, this is going to be a great pilot. He's, he's calm, man. Uh, there's no sweat. There's no anxiety. And he's looked, man, he's no telling what he's going to be. This is great. And they went on down, and they said it uh, got down low, and the plane it bounced about 50 foot in the air and made a few more little bounces and landed at the edge of the field. And the old pilot said, that's the worst landing I've ever, I've ever seen a student make. <laughs> he said, I thought you was doing it. <laughs> you mean I was supposed to land? <laughs> yeah, there's some things we got to do. There's some things we better do. <laughs> now, man, in the, one day the preacher looked out and he saw the man in the lobby. And uh, he realized he was a man that came to church only one time a year. And he just got off the platform and went back and said to him, he said, Sir, why don't you just become a soldier of the Lord? He said, I am a soldier of the Lord. He said, you mean you're a soldier of the Lord and you come to church only once a year? He leaned to his ear and said, I'm secret service. I don't think so. I don't think so. Even that's that's not that's not the kind of people who make the mare trot. <laughs> I'm sure you young people understand that one. Amen. To keep this all going, it's everybody. And everybody, everyone has to be in their place. Everyone has to be here. Amen. Every day and every week that there's Something that has to be done. And so this, this story that, that we have here this morning is quite a story because you see here the, the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he had, it hadn't been long since the Lord had had to knock him down. Aren't you glad the Lord takes time to knock us down and stop us? And so he was got to doing a lot for God. And, and, and the council decided that they'd better do something about him. And so they, they determined that their decision was that we're got to kill him. And so they surrounded the, the house where he was staying and watched day and night, even though Paul knew it, but they were watching day and night 
for him to come out so they could kill him. And some of the disciples, some of the men, decided they had better do something. And so they took a basket and hooked a rope to it and put Paul in the basket. I would say he might have felt a little awkward. <laughs> they put him in the basket and went to a no doubt back window somewhere where no one could observe and they started, caught a hold of the rope and started letting him down. And when he got down lower enough, he steps out on the ground and heads for Jerusalem and starts preaching. Now, these men that were holding the rope, they, wasn't, they were not out uh, with a $1,000 pair of shoes at the airport. They didn't have $1,500, $2,000 suit on at the airport. with a paid ticket in their hands expecting a big offering. Polishing up on their prophecy. Their prophetic words. No, that was not what they were. They were just men that were willing to hold a rope. They were not educated as Paul was. For you see, Paul had sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And uh, we appreciate Paul's education. We are not demeaning it in any way. We're, we're proud of him for having that education. We're proud of it. But uh, the, the whole deal is a sheepskin won't do you very much good if you've got several garrison of soldiers waiting around to watch which door you're going to come out to, to to take your life. They didn't have to have that education for that. Amen. You really don't have to have education to clean the floor. You really don't have to have an education to do the most of the things that God has to have done. You know... Jerry Clower, brother Jerry Clower. He told about this old government man that came to this farmer's house and uh, field and, and, and he told him, he said, I, I, I'm going to go back in your field. I think we have some water back there and it's a water land and this and that and I've got to inspect you and he said, Mr. I wouldn't do that. He said, I have papers to, to do this. So he said, okay, go ahead. He got about 200 yards down in the field, and that old big bull <laughs> come a charge, and then he looked at him, and he saw it, and he started running, and he just got in time to slide under the fence. 
He said, why didn't you tell me you had a bull? Well, he said, I just figured you'd show him your papers. <laughs> no, no, that, we, we, what we need is experience, amen. What we need is a burden, amen. Praise God. What we need is for somebody that will pray and somebody will fast and somebody to live for God and somebody to be there on time and to be not tardy, praise God, and be willing and be willing to do whatever. And so Paul got to Mars Hill. I've been to Mars Hill. It's quite a thing. I couldn't, it was so tore up. <laughs> I couldn't uh, hardly imagine Paul's whole operation there, but he got there, and uh, while he was there, with all the scholars and all the philosophers, everybody was hunting something new to talk about something new to discuss, something unusual, something that they didn't know about. They wanted them to bring them all something new. And, and, uh, but Paul happened to notice that there was a sign there to the unknown God. There was the, and, and he, that, that he knew then that they had a longing in their hearts. He knew that they weren't satisfied with the thousands of gods they had. He knew it wasn't working for them. Amen. And he then he said to him, he said, him that you ignorantly worship, I want to declare him unto you. Praise God. And he stood there and talked to them about Jesus. Don't you? Wouldn't you love to have been there? Wouldn't you like to see the expression on the philosopher's face when he told them what the Lord could do? When he told them that the Lord died for them, that Jesus died on Calvary for them, and that his blood cleanses from all sin. And that there's one God, hallelujah, praise God, praise God. Wouldn't you love to have been there? But I want you to notice, Paul rode all the way there in a basket. If it hadn't been for that basket, them holding the ropes, amen. Praise God. Praise God. We've had a great meeting here last night, uh, the Friday night. Everything was so wonderful. Amen. But it wasn't just the ministry that did that. And, and look at them praising the Lord, understanding and knowing that. Amen. If you hadn't helped and you hadn't worked and you hadn't have done everything that you'd do, it, it would have been a poor meeting, I promise you. If you hadn't have cleaned the building, <laughs> if, you, if, if you had not fixed the food, we wouldn't have had a banquet. If you hadn't practiced the songs, we wouldn't have had any songs. We had a, don't ever forget there's something about holding the ropes. Amen. Holding the ropes. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Until, until everything gets to where until we get to where the ministry can operate. You gotta hold the rope. You gotta hold a rope for the sermon to get there. You gotta hold a rope. For people to get healed, you gotta hold the rope. There won't be any visitors if somebody don't cut the grass. 
Yeah, if you see the church needs, the grass needs to be cut. I tell you what, just go home and get you more. I never heard of anybody being kicked out of church for mowing the grass. Amen. Amen. You know, you go up in weeds. Nobody's going to come. If the church needs repairing, you need to be concerned about it. You need to be worried about it. And if you can't offer to fix it, you don't have the know-how. Well, pull out your wallet. Amen. Get somebody. Amen. Give some money. Get that thing done. You got to get it fixed. Yeah, you're holding the rope. You've been holding the rope. You've been holding the rope. Somebody said, somebody said, who did you hear that? Did you see that letter that Paul wrote to the Romans? Man, that's that's stuff. That's tout. That's stout. (laughs) Did you see that? Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it. But you wait till you read that one he wrote to the Corinthians. He wrote two of them. Amen, man. He'll knock your hat off. Amen. Amen. Well, I just got through reading Galatians. Well, I just, I'll tell you what, I saw that letter he wrote. He wrote to the Ephesians. I, I saw the letter he wrote to the Philippians, uh, uh, the Thessalonians, or whoever it is. I can't even remember. I heard the the Colossians. Did you see that letter he wrote to the Hebrews? My, my, my. If you could could just read that. Well, (laughs) and then when they told the men that held the rope, They just, they didn't say nothing. They just kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. They didn't want to gloat too much. They didn't want to take too much credit because credit was not what they was after when they let when they put the rope on the basket and put Paul in the basket and let him down. That was not what they was after. They was after him to get out of there so he could preach the gospel, so he could preach the truth. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, oh hallelujah. And somebody came in and, and there's all together one afternoon and they say, we got some news, we got some news, we got some news. Paul just went to the third heaven. Paul saw things <laughs> that he couldn't even talk about. That's so good. Well, that's good. I'm glad. They didn't shout till they got out of the room. They don't want to seem too too excited right then. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. 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 Help us. Help us not to worry about who gets the credit. Don't worry if they forget to mention that you did it. (laughs) Just do it. We're doing it for the Lord. We're not doing it for anybody else. We're doing it for the Lord. We got folks that need to go to heaven. We got drug addicts that need to be saved. That's, That's what we've got. We've got prostitutes on the street that we need to get in and get cleaned up and get them in the choir. <laughs> Praise God. We've got musicians out there that can play music 
that can't stay afloat. We're going to have to get them sobered up and tell them what the truth is. We got to we got to tie a rope and put them in the basket and lower them down so we can get them. You just hold the rope. That's all. That's all you need to do. Just keep holding the rope. Whenever Joan and I went to Dallas, Texas, to build a new church, Brother Lada was in the first service we had at that church. Was that in the 60s? Just, I believe, Abraham Lincoln. We passed him on the way in. 64. And we went there, but now, we, did, we had 365 or $85. I sold a coin collection, and that's all we had. We put everything we owned in a car, and we drove to Dallas. Just before, we, we didn't know one soul. In, in, we didn't know one soul in Dallas. We were starting from scratch. That's before we realized that you could split churches. And get a crowd. <laughs> and so. We, we got to Dallas that evening. But before we left. Just before we left. My uncle said. O.C. he said. We know a man in Dallas. By the name of Arthur Lewis. I saw him. And he said. When you get there to call him. So we got there, and we drove fast, like a bat out of Egypt. <laughs> Get your mind right. And, and my wife said, well, honey, what in the world did we drive so fast for? I don't know. I, said, I just wanted to get here so quick. I just felt like I just wanted to be in Dallas. And when we got there, she said, what are we going to do? It was almost just a little before dark. I said, well, there's Uncle Fred's barbecue. I didn't know we had an uncle here. <laughs> and we're going to go in and have a sandwich with Uncle Fred. We went in. We come out. We still didn't have nothing to do. She said, what are we going to do? I said, well, <clears throat> I'm going to call that number. That I'm going to call Arthur Lewis. I called him, and he said, oh, you, 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 you're, you're Grayson Marler's son. Yeah. He said, I want you to come. I want you to come right on down. He said, he said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you go out here. You go out from where you are to Oaks Drive. Take it to Ferguson Road and turn left. Go to Samuel Boulevard and turn right. And I own the Eastern Hills Motel right up on the right. <laughs> that motel business sounded real good to me. And uh, so we got down there and asked for Mr. Lewis. They said he's out in the back. He's out in the back. And so I went out in the back, and he was up in an old air-conditioned ductwork deal. And when he come out, he had soot all over his face. And he looked at me, and he said, So you're O.C. Marler. You're Grayson Marler's son. I said, Yes. He turned his back. And it was an awkward moment. He turned his back. And when he turned back around, tears had furrowed down the set. And he said, you'll have to excuse me. He said, when I was 17 years old, I was an evangelist in the Depression time. And said, I didn't have a place to preach. And said, your father walked seven miles in the hot sun and acquired me a place to preach and come back and put the last 50 cents he had in this, in this world in my hand. 
and said, I went to the mailbox. I was going to ride with a mail carrier to where I was going to go. And he said, I looked up, and I, I held that 50 cents up. And I said, Grayson Marler, one day I'll pay you back. <laughs> and so, so he said, Brother Marler, I got a house over here that nobody lives in. And I want you to have it as long as you're in Dallas and as long as you want. And anything else. <laughs> Amen. I couldn't help but think, cast your bread up on the waters. <laughs> and after many days it shall return. Amen. And I can still see and understand that my old dad way back there in the depression was holding the rope. He didn't get anything out of it. He had to go back to work for 50 cents a day. That's how much he got. He got. But he was holding the rope. The still the, the greatest church in Dallas, Texas, is the church that John and I was able to establish by the help of God. But he held the rope. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, whatever you do for God, don't worry about it. Give it to him. Don't hold to it. Give it to him. A man, start, a preacher started paying me a check one time for preaching at a conference, and I reached to get it, and he held it. I guess he thought it would be a little joke, you know. When I reached for it, he held it. I said, keep it and walk off. <laughs> he had to run me down to give it to me. Because if you're going to give something to God, give it. <laughs> Whatever you do for God, do it. You don't have to have credit. One day, one day when <clears throat> Joan and I were together, we just started evangelizing. She said in her little Moline Yankee voice, Honey, could I speak with you? I said, Well, sure, I'm your husband. She said, Well, when you kneel at the altar, would you kind of turn towards a wall or something? I said, why? She said, those holes in your shoes are quite embarrassing. Well, I guess I hadn't elected putting more, shoe, more newspaper in, but. So we was preaching around there, little. We call, I don't know, I don't want to say, churches in the woods there that was where it was raised. There's probably trying to get me good enough to get me out. And all of a sudden, I got a call to preach a revival in DeRitter, Louisiana. It blew my mind. Because I knew everybody in DeRitter had new cars. They all had good jobs. What didn't work in a bank <coughs> were school teachers. <laughs> and I had one suit of clothes. I had, I had one suit and one white shirt. And in those days, you wore a white shirt or it was... Joan had to wash and iron, starch and iron, my white shirt every day. And I had those shoes that had become a problem to the little wife. <laughs> and I was as nervous as a termite in a yo-yo <coughs> about going. 
I just didn't think, I, I, I could list you right now who some of the big evangelists were that come. Man, top of the charts. And I was on the way and I got to Carfax, Louisiana, and Mr. Bell had a little shoe shop right there on the side of the walkway. And I pulled in there and I said, Mr. Bell, would you fix that shoe for me? He said, yeah. I believe it was three and a half he charged me. <laughs> he said, you look like you need that other one fixed. I said, yes, sir, I'm going to preach a revival in the Ritter. And when I come back, I'll get it fixed. He should have fixed them for nothing. He's an old backslider. <laughs> old troublemaking backslider. Didn't even trust me with him. And so I walked like that for a little while. <laughs> and, and I got to the river. And man, they put me up. I was sweating bullets. And, and the Lord came in. He anointed me. And we had people in the altar the first night. And I was getting my courage up. My faith up. And the next night, the Holy Ghost fell, and it was better than the first night as far as the results. And I just got through, <coughs> and a man that had probably the most there, he come up to me and said, Brother Marla, could I see you in the, in the evangelistic quarters? I said, yes, sir. I didn't know. I thought I maybe said I ain't or... And all those school teachers there. <laughs> I didn't know what I, I walked over there. And he had a suit. In one of the first time I'd ever seen one of those plastic bags that they have suits. And it had a little round hole up there, a plastic hole. <laughs> I promise you I could have wore the suit back. It made me think of my mother. Makes me think of my mother. She said, boys, I want to pick out my casket. I said, we knew why she wanted to do it, because she was stingy. And she knew we'd go overboard. And so we walked into the funeral home, and, and we looked at what well, she looked at one. She said, hey, Jimmy, how much is this one? He said, Miss Bertha, that's $15,000. She said, Jimmy, you don't happen to have the box that came in, do you? <laughs> I could have worn the suit bag. And I put the suit on, and I'm going to tell you, it just fit. He said, I thought that would be your size. And he said, what size shoes do you wear? And I told him, tens and a half. He said, try these on. And he, I tried them on, and they just fit. He said, well, I just bought those today. And he said, I want you to have them. And I saw. I saw one of the richest men in the river walk out the side door and I watched him as he went down, walked barefooted down the street. <laughs> holding the rope. He was holding the rope. Him and he didn't worry about a call. He just was doing what he was already called to do. Amen. Amen. Hey, hey, John, don't you worry if God don't ever call you. You can win more people by holding the rope than if you was out on the front lines. I promise you that. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You win more people. You win more people by working for God. Amen. Amen. 
the, the ministry is called, and that's a part of it, and that has to be. But I promise you one thing, that all of you are responsible for what the ministry and the Word of God produces. Hold her up! Hold her up! Amen. Amen. You want to be sure whenever you put that rope on there that there's no slip knots. You don't want to backslide. Amen. You don't want to lose somebody. How many people are you supposed to win, you reckon, from here on out that you don't even know? But if you put a slipknot in that thing, I mean, you're not going to win nobody. And you're going to be lost yourself. I went to preach for a man the other day, and he said, Brother Marla, I was at a family reunion yesterday. He said there was 88 people that belonged to that family, and not a one of them saved. And nobody cared because the grandparents got mad about something and backslid and they have produced 88 people that know nothing about God. You better be careful before you do anything but live for God and be faithful to the truth and hold her out. Oh, Hallelujah. Amen. I'll cut short a little eye. Let me tell you. <laughs> there was a fire. There was a fire in Edinburgh, England. And there was eight children in the house. And they got them all out except one boy. One young boy, little boy. They got them all out in the fire. The house was being consumed. And the little boy woke up and went to the window upstairs and looked down. And a fireman down there saw him. And, and he was at the window. And, and the fireman told the man next to him, he said, hold still. And he jumped up on his shoulder, put his feet up, and got up to the window and got the little boy. They made a human ladder. Amen. And got the little boy and brought him out. And that little boy happened to be John Wesley. <laughs> that preached holiness all over this country and everywhere else. Thank God. Thank God, yeah, we, we don't, we need a human ladder. Stand on somebody's shoulder. It don't have to be Jacob's ladder. It don't have to be something angels are holding on to. Amen. We need human beings that will make a ladder, praise God, and do everything that's supposed to be done. I, uh, that's exactly right. That's how you reach them. That's how you get them out of the fire. If you're a troublemaker, please leave. Don't, we don't want to cause, we don't want nothing to hinder. Just, just walk out, nobody will care. You know, in New York City, in a meat packing plant, they Every morning, there would be a quarter of a beef on the floor, and the the rats had would strip it. Those big rats that they have, 
they would strip that meat off the bones. Well, the meat was high up on hooks. And they just couldn't figure it out. They checked to be sure the meat was up where it's supposed to be. And they come back the next morning and a quarter of a beef was here stripped. So they put cameras in there. They put cameras in there, Brother French. And that night, the rats came in. And four or five of them, and then one of them jumped upon it other than another jumped upon another. They began to stack it just like a, a pyramid that they knew would hold. They began to jump up and jump up and jump up. And finally they got five or six of them up there and they chewed the meat from around the hooks and let it drop. And I thought, oh my goodness. If rats can cooperate with each other. <laughs> Amen. Amen. If rats can get together, surely God's people can get together. Why don't we stand and lift our hands right now? Somebody lift up your hands and ask the Lord to touch us. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I'm feeling the Lord speaking to someone's heart today, and we have been right smack dab in the middle of the moving of the Holy Ghost all through this service. The enemy has convinced some of you that what you do is not important in the kingdom of God, and it's nothing but a lie from the pits of hell. And I wonder if there'd be someone who would come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm going to keep on holding the rope until Jesus comes. I'm standing in the gap for revival. I'm standing in the gap for the ministry. I'm standing in the gap. I'm standing on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And I'm holding faithfully on to what God has placed in my hands. Come on, someone just rededicate yourself to holding on to the rope. I'm going to be an encourager. I'm going to be an uplifter. In this season, yes. don't do it without me. Don't, don't do it without me. Oh, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Don't do it without me. 